Anybody excited about being a child of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Listen, sometimes as a pastor, you're around someone who challenges you and encourages you, uh, sometimes so much that you want to get that person to, you want the church to meet that person, and, and I'm excited this morning to have Todd Gray with us. Uh, he has challenged me and encouraged me, and uh, I know he's going to do that uh, this morning for you. Uh, he's been on my calendar for most of this year, and, and he's recently uh, taken a new position. He is now the executive director of treasurer for the Kentucky Baptist Convention, which means uh, he leads the Kentucky Baptist Convention and Kentucky Baptist churches, and uh, he is God's man for this time. And I'm really excited to have Todd and his wife Connie with us this morning, and uh, just look forward to how God's going to use him to lead Kentucky Baptist uh, to reach Kentucky and, and the world for Christ. And so, Todd, thank you for coming this morning. You come and preach the word, and uh, you pray for God uh, to move this morning. Brother Harold, thank you. Hey, would you all tell Brother Harold, Miss Jenny, you love them and thank the Lord for them. You're glad God brought them here? Well, I love your church. I love your pastor and love your music, Brother Danny and the, the praise team. Would you all tell the Lord, thank, thank the Lord for them? They do a great, they just do a great job. I told the earlier service, we're ready to join the church and move our membership. We live in Louisville. It'll be a little challenge to get here, but I've attended the, the church where I am a member. I've been there three times. I, I joined the first time we went, and that's just, we're in a different church every Sunday. I sure appreciate your church. You may or may not be aware, your church funds ministry and missions literally all over the world. You help fund about 3,700 missionaries all over the world. You're taking care of about 1,200 foster children, uh, hurting children who are in foster care in Kentucky. You're doing disaster relief all over the place. Whenever there's a storm anywhere in America, you can be certain that, that you're involved in that financially, supporting the work that takes care of it. You're planting churches, about 800 to 1,000 of them a year, literally all over the world. And you're doing that through your cooperative program, Giving as a Church. And your churches, that's been a big deal for your congregation. So we just rejoice in the Lord together for your faithfulness. Faithfulness of 2,351 Kentucky Baptist churches working together. We really are better together than we are by ourselves. Go ahead and find Acts 16 in your Bible, if you would, please. Acts 16. I appreciate Brother Danny moving that tambourine. I about tripped on it in the early service. If I, I didn't know how much noise it made, and I'm glad he moved it instead of me. Uh, Acts 16. I want to speak to you on the subject of being used by God. How many of you all would say this morning, raise your hand, I want my life to count. I want it to count. The life I have, the life God's given, I want it to amount to something and make a difference. Amen. Almost every hand is up. A different question, shifting all the way over another side. How many of you all know somebody that you're not their judge and you're not condemning anyone's soul to hell with this answer, but how many of you know somebody that appears to be far from God and needs Jesus in their life. You know someone like that, raise your hand. Hold them up good and high just for a minute. So at least half of you have your, have your hand up. I'm glad you do, and, and I trust you want to be used by the Lord. I want to be used by the Lord. And so Jesus has called us to be witnesses of his in the world. And I don't, don't know how that strikes you, but uh, I'm probably the most unlikely Christian witness that there ever was. I grew up in a little spot in the road called Lamasco, Kentucky, in Lyon County near Eddyville, where the penitentiary is. Joined a church when I was about nine years old. Uh, got baptized, but I was not a Christian at that point. I didn't get saved. I just joined a church. I finally received Jesus when I was 24 years old, living in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I hadn't been a Christian very long at all. And my pastor, Bob Latham, 
enrolled me in a witness training course, how to share the gospel with people. Now, when I say he enrolled me, I mean, he didn't ask if I wanted to be enrolled. He enrolled me, and then he informed me that he had enrolled me in this course, and he told me when I needed to be there, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And so I did not know that you could say no to a pastor, Brother Harold, and, and so I showed up for where he said I needed to be. And, and honestly, it was wonderful. When we really had a good time, I was a brand-new Christian, excited that my sins were forgiven. I no longer had to run from God or hide from God. I was honest with the Lord for the first time in my life at that season. And uh, we, we had a good time. We had good fellowship. We learned about our testimony. We learned how to share the gospel with people, learn about a spirit-filled life. And that was incredible for me to learn about confessing your sins, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all was well and good until Wednesday night, our instructor, a man named Bo, told us, he said, tonight, I've broken you off in groups of two, and I've assigned two homes for each of you to go to. And your job is to go to these homes and share Jesus with the people who live in those homes. Now, I don't know what that would do for you, but that scared the living daylights out of me. And so I was very nervous, and I did what Christians do when they get scared. I started praying, and I prayed from the church building to the car, from the car to the driveway, from the driveway to the front door, and I prayed, Lord, please let there be nobody home. That was my prayer. <laughs> Should be ashamed, but I'm just being honest. And so got up there and knocked on the door, and nobody was home. One house down and one to go. And so I started praying the same way for the second house. It was an apartment building, and just prayed to the car, to the car, to the parking lot, parking lot up to the second floor where this apartment was, and prayed, Lord, please let there be nobody home. And got up there and knocked on the door, and nobody was home. Answered prayer. I can go back and tell Bo we did everything he asked us to do. About that time, the door behind us opened up, and a young man stuck his head out, and he said, those folks aren't here. They're gone. He told us where they were. And probably in about two minutes, we were sitting on his couch, opening up a little gospel booklet, just like this one, and sharing with him how God loved him, how Jesus died for his sins on the cross, how if he had turned to Jesus, he could be forgiven and have a brand new life in Christ. Now, he didn't get saved that night, but God did something in my life 30 years ago that showed me I could be a witness to folks who were not yet followers of Jesus. As scared as I was, as nervous as I felt about it, that God would help me and that God could use me to witness to others. In Acts 16, there's two men here named Paul and Silas, and they are saved and surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like you, they want their life to count, and they know for a Christian life to really count, regardless of what you do, whether you're in the nursery or whether you're in children's ministry or whether you're in the band or, or whether you're the preacher, whatever you do, uh, whatever we do, it's got to be connected to sharing the gospel with people who don't yet know Christ. And so Paul and Silas were on a mission trip for the purpose of sharing Jesus with people who did not yet know him, and they're a model to us in this text. I'm going to read to you from Acts 16, beginning at verse 5. It may be on your screen. The translation I'm using may be different than the one that you're using, but I'll read it. You follow along from what you're, what you're reading from. So Acts 16, beginning at verse 6, says, uh, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, come over into Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Paul believed he had heard from God. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Being used by God, I want to show you three simple actions that every person can take, and we'll look at this together, and let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for Burlington Baptist Church. Thank you for those who lead here. Thank you for your spirit who's at work in this service. But Lord, thank you for those who assembled right here this morning. And Father God, we really believe that when your word is preached, that, that the preacher says some things which you speak to hearts. And so, Lord, you have a personalized message for every person here. Please give us ears to hear. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Acts 16, being used by God, three actions. Here's the first one. If you wish to be used by, used by God, then number one, go where God says to go. Just lay it down and say, God, here's my life. I want to follow you. And then decide that you'll go where God's leading you and go where God says to go. Paul does that in verse 10. It says, once he saw this vision, he tried a couple of different places. The Spirit of God said, that's not where I want you right now. And then in verse 10, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. The first thing is to go where God says to go. Any of y'all ever been on a sailboat? Raise your hand. You ever been on a sailboat? A few of you have. So I ask that question a lot of times in different parts of the state, and most people in Kentucky, you're close to the Ohio River, and so there's some sailing up here. I saw a boat yesterday. We walked across the bridge to uh, where the Reds uh, play. We didn't go to the game. But, so I grew up in West Kentucky near Barkley Lake. My first summer job, when I was 15 years old, was I worked at a marina. And the owners of the marina, Dick and Kathy Oberly, were trying to bring sailing into that part of West Kentucky. And so they wanted everybody who worked for them to learn how to sail on a sailboat. Now, if I would have said houseboat, how many of you raise your hand? Pontoon boat, fishing boat, john boat, canoe boat, kayak boat, all right. So we get all those boats, but not much sailing, and cer certainly not in West Kentucky. And so they wanted us to learn how to sail. And I grew up on a, in a tobacco patch in West Kentucky, had no interest at all. But actually, it was a lot of fun. They taught us. We learned how to handle the sails, how to use the ropes. And if you have some wind, sailing really is a good time. So fast forward now. I'm a student at Murray State University and a business major there. And I passed or got through Statistics 101 with a D as in dog because of the kindness of a professor. What I mean by that was I never passed a test. I never passed a quiz. I never had passed any homework. But I did show up at class, and I did turn my assignments in, and so the kindness of his heart, he gave me a D and sent me along. So next, I'm supposed to take statistics 201. Now, the you know, you should have learned something in 101. It's going to help you in 201. I learned nothing in 101, but I did hear you could take 201 in the summer, and it would be easier. And so I signed up for statistics 201 with Dr. Grady. About 12 other boys in there had the same mindset that I had. First day of class, Dr. Grady stands up, and he says, I have a sailboat on Kentucky Lake. He said, I race my boat every year in a race that they do there on the lake. He said, I need two people to help me crew my sailboat. If you'll help me with my sailboat, I'll see to it that you get a B in this class. <laughs> I said, I am available. <laughs> I probably never rushed to talk to a professor like I did that day when class was over. 
And so all I had to do was go where Dr. Grady said, go. Now, listen, I'm, if you're a college, any of y'all are college students or you have kids in college, I'm sorry for what I just said. I'm not encouraging your children. to. They probably not have the same fortune that, that God knew I'd never graduate from college if he didn't help me somehow. <laughs> and so the Lord gave me Dr. Grady. And so I went where Dr. Grady said, go. True to his word, I got to be in that class. So I've said that to say this. If you want to be used by God, especially as a witness for Jesus, then just decide that, Lord, I'm ready to follow you. You lead me, and I'll follow you. Go where God says to go. Look at Paul and Silas doing that very thing in these verses. Number one, they had decided to go. Now, it doesn't come out as clearly in this text. If you were to go back and read Acts chapter 9, the, se- the testimony of the Apostle Paul, you would see how Paul surrendered to Jesus. If you're saved, it's the same way you surrendered to Jesus. And so that's where Paul decided once and for all that Christ would lead his life. And so he decided that he wanted to go and wanted to be used by God. And then you notice that he tried to go. It says in verse uh, 6 that they tried to go to the area of Phrygia and Galatia, but the Holy Spirit had prevented them. And then it says they tried to go into Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So Paul wanted to go, and he tried to go, and he finally knew where to go. And when he knew where God wanted him to go, he went. He saw the vision of the man from Macedonia, and he says, we believe that God, we concluded God was calling us to preach the gospel, the good news there. The first thing is go where God says go. So how does that play out in, in normal, real life? Um, my wife Connie was here for the earlier service, and she's, she's out for a moment now. She and I had lunch a while back at a Texas, uh, Texas Roadhouse in Louisville. They open on Friday, Saturday, Sunday for lunch, and so we had a chance to get together and have a meal. And so got there, I mean, really right when they were open. Our server was the friendliest server and the most enthusiastic restaurant server I've ever been around. Her name was Sam, and, and Sam was really happy that we were there. You know, they had these shirts that say, I heart my job. Sam really did heart her job. She loved what she was doing. And so uh, as is our custom, we sit down to eat, and, and um, we had our food or some rolls, and we said, Sam, we always give thanks over our food. Um, is there anything we can pray about for you, your work, your school, or your family? And, and she said, yes. She said, my boyfriend's mother has cancer. Would you pray for my boyfriend's mother? And we said, we would. We'd, we'd be glad to pray for her. And, and so we did. When she left, we, we had a prayer of our meal, and we prayed for Sam's boyfriend's mother. And she came back, and, and we said, uh, Sam, we prayed for your boyfriend's mother. And she said, thank you so much. She was truly grateful that we had prayed for her. And I said, Sam, do you have any kind of a, a church background or a spiritual belief? If you don't know what to say to people, just ask that question. You can write it down right now. Do you have any kind of a church background or a spiritual belief? Most folks in Kentucky do have some kind of a church background. You'll meet some folks that don't have any at all, but most folks do. And so we just asked her that question. Do you have any kind of a church background or a spiritual belief? She said, yes. She said, my family went to church. She named the Baptist Church in Louisville where they used to go. And she said, but when, but when I was about 15, she said something happened. And I couldn't tell if it happened in the church or happened in her family. But she said something happened, and we just, we just quit going. But she said, now, she said, my roommate is a Christian. She's a college student. She said, my roommate is a Christian. We listen to Christian music all the time. And she's been taking me to these Bible studies. Now, Danny, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I started thinking, ding, 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 God's at work in this young lady's life. And so we started sharing the gospel with her. And she'd kind of go do her work and come back and forth. By now, the restaurant's full at lunchtime. There's a, we're sitting on the area where there's a long bench. And so as we're sharing the gospel, Sam just sits down and listens to the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And and, um, and I said, Sam, I really believe God brought us in here today to talk to you. And she said, I believe that too. And, and I said, Sam, would you like to pray and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord? She said, I would. And she stood up. She held her hands out like this, looked up at the sky, just prayed as simple as she could, and asked Jesus Christ to come into her life. That's amazing. That's amazing. 
I try to witness every single day. I, I, don't, I don't do it every day. But I try to witness every single day. But that never happens. That never happens exactly like that. And God was at work in her life. And really all we did, and we'd pray before then, God direct us to someone who needs Jesus. Let us go meet somebody today who we could talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage you this way. You want to be used by God in reaching people with the gospel. So the first thing to do is to go where God says go. Here's the second thing. Not only go where God says go, but once you get there, say what God would have you to say. Say what God says to say. Look what Paul did in verse 13. It says, so he went where the Lord was leading him, into Macedonia, in Philippi, major city. And then verse 13, it says, and on the, on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. And so Paul went there, and then he spoke. He opened up, and he spoke. Now, uh, some folks love talking, and some folks don't love talking. Connie and I have two daughters. Our oldest daughter, Kara, is 22, about to be 23. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is 19, about to be 20. How many of you all have a child like this in your, in your family? Our youngest daughter, Anna, was just kind of born talking and just didn't get caught up for a long time. You got one like that in your home? I mean, literally, before she ever had words, it was just gibber, gibber, gibber. And then when she got words, it was just talk, 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 talk. I'd come home from work kind of stressed out and tired, and Anna would meet me at the door, just talk, 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 talk. And, and I, I finally said, I said, Anna, you have used all of your words for today. You may not talk anymore. <laughs> and whenever I say that, people look at me like, you are so mean. It's like, well, you didn't have to hear all that talking. You may have done the same thing <laughs> even before I did. And so um, we, when she was about three, probably years old, uh, she was really good with her words then. And so I, I was strapping her in the backseat of the car one day. We were going somewhere together and just talk, talk, talk. Backed out of the driveway. We lived in Oak Grove, Kentucky, pastoring Fort Campbell at Fort Campbell uh, Military Congregation. Uh, talk, talk. Head down Jumpers Pass. Talk, talk. Turn left on Velvet Trail. Talk, talk, talk. Turn left on Grant Avenue. Talk, talk, talk. Turn left on Arctic Avenue. Talk, talk, talk. Speed bump number one. Talk, talk. Speed bump number two. Talk, talk, talk. Halfway up Arctic Avenue, she stops in mid-sentence and she says, I probably talk too much. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, child. <laughs> you talk way too much. If you are a talker, I have good news for you. God can use you. God can use you. And if you'll just direct some of those words to be about Jesus and to people who need him, God can use you. If you're not so much of a talker, I have good news for you. God can use you too. Because Moses would have said he wasn't a talker. And God said to Moses, Moses, who made your mouth? And, you know, Moses, God knew the answer to that question before he, before he asked it. God made your mouth. And so Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of what? Man, that's what he said. So um, who's going to make you, are you going to make yourself into a fisher of men? No. Is your pastor going to do that? No. Nobody's going to do that except Jesus. And what you have to do is follow him. If you'll say, Jesus, that's what I want. I want to be a witness, a soul winner, whatever language you use to call it, someone who tries to win people to Christ. Listen, do you understand the impact of winning somebody to Jesus? Do you have any idea how big a deal that is when somebody is on their way to hell and you tell the story that turns them around and they say, I'm ready to follow Christ? There's no much bigger than that right there and 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 amen you can clap for the lord and praise him <laughs> so i had a deacon friend who was really anxious about witnessing and he would say brother todd he said i don't want to i'm afraid about witnessing he said i'm afraid i'm going to mess somebody up and his name was jimmy and i said jimmy they're already on their way to hell you're not going to mess them up anymore uh there's they're not, you're not going to send them to hell number two or hell number three there's only one that's where they're going and you can help them if you'll just say something to them about jesus and what he did in your life and what he did can do for them so go where god says go and say what god says to say so what should you say well you're going to speak to people that's what paul did his custom was to go into the, the synagogue 
the Jewish gathering where the Bible was taught, but there was no synagogue in Philippi because there weren't enough Jewish men to have one. But so he went to the next best thing. There was a prayer meeting outside the city. I mean, I just love this. These ladies were not believers. They believed in God, but they didn't know God personally the way many of you do. But they, they did see a need in their life. And that's where people are living today. They know there's something more. And they know that it's just not all in making some money or, or being on a sports travel team with your kids or getting a house or getting the car or, or what. They know there's more to it than that. And these ladies, 1900 and some odd years ago, they also knew there was more to it than that. And they were gathered for a prayer meeting. And so Paul went there and he shared with them the story, the simple message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. God loves you. And God, God, God created you in his image and in his own likeness. But your sin separates you from God. And ladies, you're all sinners, you know. He may have smiled when he said it and, and said, I hope I'm not offending anybody here, but you've all sinned. And, and if they were honest, they would have nodded their head and they said, yeah, because we know our sin, don't we? We all know we've messed up. We've all made bad choices. And we've all sinned. And we've seen the consequences in our lives and of others. And then he shared the story about what Jesus did for our sin problem, how he died on a cross in our place, was buried and raised again. And then he said, ladies, if you would, if you would just turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, God will save you. He'll wipe it all away and remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. And that's what he did. And he went where God said go. And he said what God said to say. And you and I can do that too. If you want to be used by God, go where God says go. Say what God says to say. One more thing. I'm going to move toward a, toward a close. Trust God for the results. Trust God for the results. And that's the way witnessing works. Trust the Lord. Look what happened when Paul did this very thing. Notice in verse um, 14. One of them was Lydia, them being one of the ladies that was gathered at this prayer meeting from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. So we have the impression that Lydia was a businesswoman. She was a woman. She was a businesswoman. We have the impression that she was probably wealthy, that she wasn't from this area, but she had a home in this area. And then we notice this about her. Lydia is described as a person who worshiped God. And I find that really interesting because that's what we've done this morning, isn't it? We've worshiped God. And I notice from this, from the Bible, that you can worship God and yet not know God. You can recognize the goodness and the greatness and the power of God. You can even sing the songs back and raise hands and, and give genuine praise and yet not know God personally. That describes Lydia. And so, so today, in our vernacular, Lydia would have been in the church, but the Lord of the church wouldn't have been in her. She would have been in the gathering, but the Christ who died on the cross would not have been living in her. She'd have been with the people of God, but she would not have been a child of God because she wasn't, yet, she wasn't yet saved. She wasn't yet converted. Now, she worshiped the Lord. The Bible says she was worshiping the Lord, but she wasn't yet saved. And then it says, <laughs> and she, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. Go where God says go. Say what God says to say, and trust God for the results. I pastored a church in rural Trigg County. Y'all know where Katie's is? Any of you know where Katie's is? All right, other end of state. New Hope Baptist Church, country church, wonderful church. Uh, I was 26 years old when I went there as the pastor. I wasn't married yet. Connie and I had already met, but we weren't, we weren't married. And um, I hadn't been there very long, and it was a great church. They had a lot of students for a country church, a lot of teenagers, high school students. And I noticed these kids were, they were really good kids, but they had a lot of freedom. The, they, they were alone in different parts of the building. They were alone in their cars before and after service, kind of unsupervised. And, and I thought, these are good kids, but, the, but even good kids can make bad choices. And I wasn't that far removed from their age myself at that time. 
And so I felt led of the Lord to preach a message, just being real plain with you, on the temptation about premarital sex and, uh, and what the Bible says about sex outside of marriage and that it's a sin and it's a, it, it, it changes things and it's, it's, um, it's God designed sex to take place inside the confines and the, and the beauty of a marital relationship and the commitment of that relationship. And so I just felt led to say what the Bible said about that. And I thought, you know, some of these parents might not like this message because it sounds like I'm accusing their kids of something, which I wasn't doing. Uh, and then there was one lady in that church who I thought, She's really not going to like this sermon. Her name was Miss Ivy Lee Meredith, and, and Miss Ivy Lee, was she was wonderful. She loved us, and we loved her. But uh, Miss Ivy Lee was very opinionated. In, in fact, maybe somebody's like, you know some folks like this. Um, you never had to wonder what her opinion was because she had already told you before you ever had a chance to wonder what she thought about stuff. And, and so, for instance, I was visiting her in her home one day, and uh, when Miss Ivy turned 90, she strapped on leather pants and rode a Harley Davidson motorcycle. All right, just telling you who we're dealing with here. And so I was visiting in her home one day, and she said to me, real strong southern accent, she said, uh, Brother Gray, and uh, she said, I I'm going to call you Brother Gray because I don't like the name Todd. I mean, she just told me. <laughs> she didn't like my name, and she wanted me to know that she didn't like it, you know. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> and so she said, we had a preacher here one time. We were at a pastor. She said, when you call your next pastor, if he's any good in the pulpit, meaning if he's a good preacher, he won't be any good out in the field, out visiting the lost and, and caring for the church members. If he's any good out in the field visiting the lost and church members, he won't be any good in the pulpit. Now, she already told me I was doing a good job in the field, so now I knew what she's talking about my preaching. She didn't like my name, didn't like my preaching. She's not going to like this sermon, and she's going to tell me about it, you know? And uh, so, you know, keep some things to yourself. <laughs> it's not her. And so I preached my message, said try to say what the Bible said, tried to say anything more than the Bible said, and just explain it the best way I knew how. Went back to the back door. That's where the preacher goes, and folks come and say things about your sermon. And, and so folks came by and said nice things, and here comes Miss Ivy Meredith, and, and she's going to tell me what she thinks about this, this sermon. And she gets up there, and she shakes my hand. She said, Brother Gray, she said, I love that message. You ought to preach that every Sunday morning. <laughs> well, amen. <laughs> every Sunday's probably a little too often, but I appreciate the encouragement. I say that to you to say this. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen when you trust the Lord. You just don't know. And when you step out in faith and do what Jesus is asking you to do, to share with your, 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 your unbelieving father your testimony, to talk to your friend in the cubicle next to you at work and um, just invite them to this, uh, this outdoor thing you're doing tonight and this nice cool weather as Brother Danny has, has shared with us. And <laughs> you, when, you, when you invite them to your Christmas service or your Easter service or, or you invite them over to your home and at your home you say a prayer over the dinner and you just maybe see if God opens a conversation, or you give them a book like More Than a Carpenter from Josh McDowell, or, or, you, or you say, I just read this little booklet here. Um, there was a time in my life when I didn't have peace with God. Could I give you one of these, and would you consider reading this? And we could talk later if you want to. You don't know what's going to happen when you do stuff like that. And sometimes um, we think we know what's going to happen, and sometimes we decide for people instead of giving them a chance to decide for themselves. That's fine on what kind of restaurant, whether you're a Gold Star or a Skyline. How many of y'all are Skyline people? Raise your hand. How many of you think Skyline people ought to move to Ohio? Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. But, but we're called to go. Go where God says go, say what God says to say, and trust God for the results. Let me tell you why all that, all that matters. I'll give you three numbers and then tell you what they mean. The first number is 118,811. The second number is 10%. The third number is 106,887. Here's what those numbers represent. 118,811 is the 2010 census population for Boone County, Kentucky. Um, 
10% is the percentage of that population, according to Glen Mary Research, who does their research based on church attendance records, 10% is the percentage of that population that attends some church somewhere on Sunday morning. 106,887 is the number of people in Boone County, Kentucky, who do not attend any church anywhere on Sunday morning. I don't know what that means to you, but I can tell you what it means to me. I told you I grew up going to church. Well, I, as soon as I got out of, the, out of the house, I quit going. Uh, when I went off to school at Murray State, I went to church two times while I was on campus at Murray State, once to a Baptist church, once to a Presbyterian church. And the reason I didn't go to church was really simple. I did not love Jesus, and I did not love his people. That's all there was to it. Moved off to Indiana, Evansville, Washington, and Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'd occasionally walk into a church on Sunday morning, and the only reason I ever walked into one was because my mother would call me on Saturday night, or she was going to call me on Sunday afternoon, and she was going to say, are you going to church tomorrow, or did you go to church today? And occasionally, because of just feeling guilty all the time, I'd walk into a church building, a church service, and the reason I didn't go was because I did not love Jesus, and I did not love his people. When I got saved at the age of 24, my whole attitude toward church attendance changed. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. If the WMU ladies would have made cupcakes on Thursday morning, I would have joined the WMU ladies and helped them make cupcakes. And the reason was because I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I loved him, and I loved his people. And so when I hear in your county 106,687 people who aren't in any church anywhere on Sunday morning, it makes me think probably about 106,000 people who are on their way to hell. And they need someone like you who will come and tell them the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so they can have a chance to turn to him and to be saved. God uses people just like me and you. Amen? So we did some training over in um, Berea, Bethel Baptist Church in Berea, Pastor Kenny Davis, and for the Tates Creek Baptist Association. We were training folks on how to do front door evangelism, how to go to somebody's house, knock on the door. So 30 years ago, it scared the daylights out of it. Today, I love it. There are 120 counties in Kentucky. I've knocked on doors in 43 of the 120 counties. Hope to get to all 120 at some point before I die. And, and so I love to train people on how to do front door evangelism. It's not that complicated. It's really a lot of fun. And, and so we did some training. And then this was March 31st of this year. That was the day that University of Kentucky was playing Auburn in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournaments. And so their game started at 2. We left the building at 2. 30 to go out and knock on doors in Berea, Kentucky. How well do you think we're going to be received on that day when UK is playing Auburn? So my partner was a deacon from the church, and, and, um, and he was experienced in what we were doing. There was a young man named Stephen who just tagged along with the two of us. Stephen had a really challenging background. He'd been homeless. His mother was drug addicted, and uh, he'd come into that church, and they just loved him and really cared about him. And, and Stephen went with us, and Stephen was a lot like my daughter Anna. He just talked all the time between stops. And, and um, I would take the lead at one door, the deacon would take the lead at the next one. We just went back and forth like that, and Stephen watched and went along and talked. And, and Stephen said at one point, he said, hey, I'd like to take the lead at one of these homes and when he did I thought oh no <laughs> you know I'm not sure how well this is going to go and, and uh, as soon as I thought that it seemed like the Holy Spirit directed my attention to a house that we hadn't got to yet and I said Stephen when we get to that house up there I want you to take the lead at the door and he said okay and he was excited and we did the other homes and we got there and Stephen knew what to do he had his little gospel booklets with him like this and he got up there and knocked on the door and a man came to the door and and so Stephen knew to reach out with his little booklet and give it offer it to someone and say my name's Stephen we're from Bethel Baptist Church and we're just out talking to folks about the Lord and their relationship with the Lord when he did that he was nervous and so he'd put the booklet and the man would reach for it and he'd take it back from him then put it out there again and he'd pull it back and and he and, and he got through talking and the man said um, he said you know he said I'm actually a pastor at one of the churches here in town he said I'm a pastor at the church on the rock Stephen was so relieved he said well you already know everything that we're going to say 
And the man said, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, I do know it, but I'd love to hear you say it. And then the man said this. He said, you know, the game's on inside, but what you're doing right here is much more important than that basketball game. Now listen, I'm not an emotional person, but I about started crying because I thought God loves this boy, and God wanted this boy to have a good experience in sharing the gospel. And he knew what house to bring him to. He could have just as easily met some old hard-headed guy, slammed a door in his face, made fun of him for what he was doing. You know why most Christians don't witness? I really believe this. It's not because we don't love Jesus. It's not because we're not concerned about lost people. I think most of us don't witness is because we've tried it before, and it really just didn't go very well for us when we tried it. I'm going to encourage you to try it again and again and again and again. And if you'll keep trying it, God will use you. So Stephen heard that, and so he got his little, his little booklet up. He said, you know, he said, I was attending this church. And he said, my pastor preached on hell. And he said, his sermon scared me. And so I went and talked to him after church, and he took one of these booklets and just opened it up, and he told me how Jesus died on the cross for my sins and how I could be saved by Jesus. And he said, I got saved. Isn't that wonderful? All he did was went where God said go, said what God said to say, and trusted God, and God used him. So I say all that this morning to say this. Will you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and let Jesus use you for something of eternal significance in somebody else's life. If you'll surrender to him, he promised in Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus is able to turn us into what we're not right now if we'll do our part, which is follow him. Now, if you're 17 years old, you can decide today I'm going to follow Jesus. If you're 77, regardless of what your past has been, you can decide today I'm going to follow Jesus. If you're a young couple, you can decide today. You know, all these other things that we're doing, they all have their place, but it's all a second place to our relationship with God and our being used by God in the lives of others. If you're an empty nest couple, if you're a single mom or a single dad, if you're a child, listen, God can use you if you say that I want to be used by God, and you'll surrender yourself to him. Let me say this to you. I'm going to close. Number one, God made you in his image. You're created in the image of God, and God loves you. Would you nod your head if you agree with that? Amen. But we have a problem. The problem is sin. And so sin is when we disobey God, and our, we've all sinned, and our sin separates us from God. Now, here's the thing about sin. Sin is like a stain that will not be removed by any good deed that you do or church that you join or baptism that you undergo or ritual that you perform. But there is a solution to your sin, and his name is Jesus. And paying the price for sin, Jesus became your substitute on the cross. He took the punishment that all of the wrong things that you have done, he took all that punishment on himself. Jesus did that because he loves you. And as a result of what Jesus did, his death and resurrection, because of what Jesus did today, here's the invitation that goes out. Jesus said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said repent and believe the gospel. Every person who will willfully turn away from their sin and gladly receive Jesus, the Bible says, will be saved not someday in the future, right now, that day, at that moment. Sin forgiven, life made brand new. You say, preacher, you make it sound too easy. It is that easy for you. It's not for Jesus. Jesus did the hard work on the cross so you and I could do the easy work of turning from our sin and trusting in him and being delivered and brought, brought to God and reconciled and to be saved. And I'm going to say this, and I'll lead us in prayer. Life begins, real life, abundant life begins the moment 
you bow your head and bow your knees to Christ and say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm ready. I've waited long enough. I've put you off long enough, but I'm ready right now. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we can pray. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us and the great love that you've shown us. And thank you for the gospel, the good news, dear Lord, and for the folks who are assembled right here this morning. Please move now in the hearts of people. We pray in the name of Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes are closed just for a moment. I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. And I want you to do it not because I'm asking. I'm going to ask that you hold still and that folks aren't moving around. And um, I'm going to ask that no one's looking around. I'm looking, but I'm going to ask that no one's looking around. Here's what I want you to do. I want you today to, to give your life to Jesus. That's what I want. Now, for some of you, you've already been saved. You've, you've trusted Christ. You know that your sin's forgiven, that heaven's your home. But there could be a need in your life to come back today and say, Jesus, I am saved. I know I'm forgiven, but I haven't followed you lately. And I haven't been involved in praying for lost people and reaching out to lost people and trying to be a witness. But I want to grow in this area of my life. If that describes you, would you just right now where you're sitting, just say that back to Christ the best way you know how. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be used by you. Others of you this morning, you've never surrendered to Christ. You've been in church. You've heard about Jesus. You may know a lot about him. You may even have a church membership somewhere. But if you're honest and transparent, you'd say, I've never really once and for all turned my life over to Jesus. Well, here's my question. Would you turn to him today, right where you're sitting, sir, ma'am, teenager, younger person, older person, would you today say, I'm ready? I'm ready. I know enough. I'm ready. I've been around enough Christian people. I'm ready. I'm ready today, once and for all, to give my heart and life to Christ. What do I need to do? The Bible said if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved means forgiven, made right with God, reconciled to God, a promise of heaven one day. Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, made brand new, born again. The Bible says whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That includes you. That promise is to you. If you can believe that this morning and say, God really does love me. Jesus really did die for me on the cross. I really do need the Lord in my life. And I'm ready today, once and for all, to turn to Jesus, to trust in him, and to receive him. Would you call on Jesus right now, right where you're sitting? There's no magic words that you need to say. You could just say, Lord, save me. You could just say that. You could just say, Lord, I'm lost. I'm a sinner, and I'm ready today to receive you. You could just pray something like that. Or I'll lead in a prayer, and you pray after me. I'll pray out loud, and you just pray in your heart. Just pray something like this. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, call his name. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Just admit that to him. I'm sorry for my sin. And Lord, I want to change. Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you were buried and rose again. Jesus, come into my life right now. I gladly receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. In your name, I pray. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around just for a moment. I want to ask those of you who prayed today to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to do something. I want you to raise your hand up good and high right where you're sitting. You prayed today to ask Jesus to come into your life. Amen. Are there others this morning? I pray today to receive Christ. Raise your hand. Amen. Very back. Amen. Those of you who've raised your hand, or if you didn't and you think you should have, I want you to do something. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world, and I won't embarrass you right now, but I want to speak to you right where you're sitting. 
If you raise your hand, you pray today to receive Christ, would you just look up here at me? Everybody else heads about and eyes are closed. But if you pray to receive Jesus today, right here today, would you just look up here at me just for a minute, make sure I, make sure I see you. If you pray to receive Christ today, did you ask Jesus to save you today? Do you believe you heard your prayer? Are you ready to follow him? All right. Did you ask the Lord to save you today? Did you? It's okay. Did you ask Jesus to save you today? Do you believe you heard your prayer? Are you ready to follow him? Are you glad? Brand new start. He promised he'd wipe away all your sin. He promised he'll make all things new. All right. Others this morning, look up here and make sure I see. Did you ask the Lord to save you today? It's okay. If I, if I don't see you, it, 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 it's okay. But I want to ask you if you can do one more thing. We're going to have an invitation song in just a second. Brother Danny's going to start to play and to sing. And, and we're going to invite people to respond during this invitation. And I'm going to ask you if you would come with these others and tell this pastor what you've just told me by raising your hand and looking up here at me just for a second. Now, you're not going to come by yourself. In fact, you can bring somebody with you if you want to. But you need to, and here's why you need to. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father who's in heaven. I'm going to ask others to come and pray. And while they're coming, I want you not to come and pray, not to come and kneel down, but I want you just to come and just stand with this pastor and just let him talk with you just for a minute. He won't embarrass you. He wouldn't do anything to embarrass you. But he wants to talk with you and follow up with you. I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment. Let's all stand together. Would you stand, please? I ask at the very beginning of this message, how many of you knew somebody that you're not their judge and you're not condemning them, but you know somebody that needs the Lord? About half of you raise your hands up. Would you do something for those people this morning? Would you come pray for them during this invitation song? You can kneel here across the front. You can stand in this wide open area. You can sit on these two front pews if you can't, if you can't stand. But would you come pray for them? Some will be praying for a son or a daughter. Some praying for a husband or a wife or a, or a mother or a father or a neighbor or a coworker. Would you just come pray and ask God to work in their lives? Now, you're coming. We'll encourage somebody else. When you finish praying, you just get back up and go right back to your seat. But would you do that for them this morning? And as they're coming, those of you who've indicated that you pray to receive Jesus today, would you just come right along with them? And Brother Harold will be right here. And just come stand with him and let him talk with you.